0: Welcome to Why Gifts Matter from the Core Gift Institute, a series of conversations spanning helping professions, spiritual traditions, and community encouragers who believe that knowing your gifts and giving them is an essential part of living a full life and creating healthy communities. Find out more about us at www.coregift.org. I'm Bruce Anderson from the Core Gift Institute. I'm delighted this morning to be talking to Rachel Taylor, who's the co-founder of Joyality, which has uh, locations in Byron Bay, Australia, and Seattle, Washington, but who attracts uh, people from all over the world to uh, work with them. I wanted to talk with Rachel this morning because she's part of an emerging um, phenomenon in organizations who are recognizing that um, it's not going to be enough to focus on trying to solve one thing that's happening in the world. We can't just uh, work on anti-racism and expect poverty to go away. We can't just work on poverty and expect to work on the climate crisis. That There are a number of organizations which are multifaceted um, because of this bubble under the carpet routine. You can't push on one of those without affecting all of the others. And so Joality really is working at the core of the despair that so many people feel about just the general condition in the world right now. And they offer a wide variety of trainings and workshops and dialogues that really help people to find their passion and find the leadership style that works for them and go out and do things. It's an action-based organization that has a fundamental purpose of of increasing resiliency in humans to act. She's an experienced core gift facilitator, and she's managed in both a smart and a wise way, I think, to integrate the idea of gifts into all the aspects of their organization. She's deeply committed to the idea that uh, people do have soul, and they do have a purpose, and part of being human is to discover what that, in, what that is, I'm sorry, and go out and act. So let's get busy and talk to Rachel. Well, good morning, Rachel. I'm happy to have the opportunity to spend some time with you, particularly because of the organization that you're um, a part of now and uh, what the connection is between gifts and the, um, and the leadership and environmental work you're doing. So thanks for making the time.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm really happy to talk with you.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit so we have a context for why you might say some of the things you say a little bit about uh, your organization and what your connection is to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my organization is called Joyality or the Joyality Project. Um, And our goal is really to address the the climate emergency and kind of the intersecting social, cultural and and economic crises, all of these kind of intersecting collapses and crises that we're kind of living with and through right now by providing nature-centered psychoeducation for people. And the goal of that is really to support folks in transforming eco-anxiety into empowerment, um, building personal and community resilience, and really driving effective positive action for change. So giving folks kind of tools and resources as well as a community, you know, experience of community support to be able to really show up, uh, you know, in a way that they feel empowered and, and kind of fully alive in contributing to making positive change in the world. And, I guess, uh, you know, it all kind of started with my own journey of feeling really disempowered and, and overwhelmed by, by the environmental crises and the, the social crises. And um, I got connected with an Australian eco-psychologist named Dr. Shauna Bragg when I was in college. And she and I just connected right off the bat and started working on a project ended up building out this whole curriculum and it's kind of just grown organically and snowballed from there
0: so is this something that's online do you meet in groups if i wanted to access joyality or if i wanted to participate in in this idea of the intersection between between it sounds like between hope and uh and eco-psychology and environmentalism how would i what 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 do you offer what what can i get from you
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we mostly do online courses and workshops. Um, I mean, we were doing online kind of before the pandemic anyway. Um, and now it's kind of all online for the moment. And, you know, of course we hope to go back to doing also in-person stuff once that's a safe thing to do again, but yeah, we have, um, a couple of different online courses. So we've got, um, just kind of a little five-week self-guided intro course called Planting Seeds. We've got um, our core curriculum, which is um, an eight-week group program that you go through with with a cohort and with a facilitator. Um, And then we also have a new program, which I'm facilitating right now, called the Regenerative Leadership Incubator, which is really taking the kind of foundation of the work that we've been doing for you know, the past four or five years and kind of turning it towards this question of leadership and what kind of leadership we need in order to really be able to solve the you know, really immense problems that we're facing right now. Um, and so that is a nine month uh, group program Um, And then we also do, you know, online workshops. We do, um, you know, we try to do a lot of free workshops. um, And then we have a blog on our website. um, And we do some like in-person community events as well. So my, Ashana, my business partner is in Australia and, you know, they have a very different situation with uh, the COVID pandemic right now. So they're actually able to do, um, you know, COVID safe in-person events. They've been working a lot with uh, the youth service in Byron Bay. Um, and we actually are in the midst of a, a grant project with uh, a youth theater um, in Byron as well. So putting on like creative um, you know, theater productions and then supporting that with workshops um, and kind of emotional and psychological support for people.
0: Well, wow, it all sounds to me as the more you're describing and I'm listening to it, it sounds really, a couple things, it sounds really creative. And it sounds like um, both a theoretical and a practical application of of resiliency and hope. Um, it just sounds like great work. So I know that, that you're connected to this idea of gifts and and core gifts. So I want to talk with you some about that. Maybe maybe you could start just by um, telling us what your core gift is so we can get a frame on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my core gift is helping others to be grounded in their true selves and live in alignment with that in the world. And I give it by helping them to awaken a sense of higher purpose, connect with what they love most, and connect with others about our collective potential
0: wow that's almost a mission statement for joyality <laughs> and for gifts too i feel like I, it's, that's I, pretty it's pretty aligned rachel <laughs> <laughs> so what know. is the what is the um yeah grounded in true selves you bet so what is the um Just tell me what you think about your gift statement. Do you remember doing it the first time when you, when you did it, do you remember what your response to it was?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, so this gift statement actually came out of the second time of me doing uh, the gift interview. So I remember the first time I did it with you. um, And I have that gift statement somewhere. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was much more kind of unwieldy and a little bit less, uh, kind of grounded and specific but you know ultimately of course the same idea um, and then the second time I did it was at the master facilitator uh, training and oh so the training what, yeah, yeah so that's what yeah, this yeah. statement is from and this one yeah. feels much more clear and uh, cohesive
0: yeah I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that it's um, it's often true or I think it's just true period the more you do the interview, the, the two things happen, the more specific it gets. And also there's more beauty in it. It almost sounds more poetic each time. And I, yeah. I don't mean kind of vague and fuzzy, but,
1: yeah, but the but language just, just gets,
0: yeah. Language gets more beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's true. I've done a couple, uh, there's a couple of folks that I've done multiple gift interviews with, and I've, I've found that to be true every time.
0: How many, uh, how uh, j- just gu- guesstimate, how many interviews do you think you've done?
1: Uh, I think I've done probably 40. Wow. I mean, wow. you know I this earlier this year, I uh, was invited to go down and do gifts for everybody at a permaculture design course that my old permaculture teacher. Uh, was running and so I got you know, I got th- thirty three in in a couple weeks. <laughs> so that really upped my score.
0: <laughs> so you've done a lot, you've done a lot. So what have you what have you learned about the process over time? Just any tidbits you've picked up about the process itself?
1: Hmm. I mean, I think the thing that stands out to me about the process is, really how well constructed it actually is you know I think that it I can really tell that you know you guys have been kind of evolving and and polishing this for a long time um because every time I do it like one I think the the folks that I'm interviewing are always really kind of like surprised and delighted by the questions um and I mean they always do really bring out like i don't know just really amazing pearls of wisdom and nuggets i think my favorite question is the the one about what what food is the most like you and people are always like you know obviously not expecting that question and i just like if i trace every time when i trace you know what the food that we started with to like the phrase that we end with it's always just like one of the most profound things that people are able to access through that question. I I love that.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. That question was um, because, you know, this has all been a user developed thing. There's been no one's gotten we've never gotten a grant. No one's there's no research project. It's user driven. And so we add questions um, if enough people suggest a question or if it just sounds really interesting and we'll, we'll take out questions that people say, are they don't get good information from or are boring. So that question was actually um, um, asked by a, a 15 or 16 year old uh, gang affiliated youth in uh, outside of Watts in LA. That's
1: yeah. amazing. Walker, yeah. It's, it's my
0: favorite you should ask this question
1: it's so great <laughs>
0: so i've learned a couple of things about that question it's interesting you mention it that um <clears throat> i kept track actually for a year or two mm. um uh just what you're saying how many people's gifts were connected to their answer to that question and it was shocking the yeah. percentage of connection and younger people can answer that question immediately And older Mm -hmm. people sometimes can't even come up with an answer to that question. There's something about, it's such a simple question, but it sets older people kind of on their heels. Not everybody, but most people. Yeah. Most people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it does in some way. I don't know. Maybe I think, you know, as you get older, there's this like greater sense of self-awareness that develops, which is great in a lot of ways, but can also be, you know, a, a greater sense of kind of self-consciousness. Um, right. and I think right. I see that a lot with, with adults, um, with that question, yeah. like, they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like,
0: yeah, they'll frequently say to me, you mean, what food do I like? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, no, it, the question yeah. is what foods <laughs> a lot like you. And that mm-hmm. it just is, it's very it's very uh, fun. And then they have fun with it if they're able to, kind of release the shackles. Of yeah, that get kind playful of, um, with it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Great way to put it. So, um, how did, how has becoming more kind of specifically aware of your core gift, how is it, how has it changed you?
1: I think, I've always been a person, for whom like having a greater purpose is, but is really important. Like, I think that sense of like wanting to, to have a greater purpose and, and make a contribution to something bigger than myself, like has just always been really present for me from, you know, as long as I can remember, even as a little kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, and I also, I'm interested in a lot of different things. You know, I've I've never Mm. been somebody that has a a singular focus or interest in life. I've been interested in a lot of different things. And so I think learning my gift has, I don't know, given like an anchor point for for kind of both of those things, Um, like having this clear language um, that, you know, like we said, is is specific um, and also, you know, poetic kind of grounds that sense of, of having a a greater purpose, but it also, because gifts are so versatile and it's not, you know, it's not a, you know, a job description or like, Hey, this is what you should go do for work. It's something that I can carry with me through, you know, all the different things that I'm interested in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think it gives me a sense of, of comfort and grounding um, in knowing my gift. And also in knowing that, if I have a gift, everybody else has a gift too. Um, and that, you know, it's something that we get to kind of be in together and discover together. And it's also like a, a way that we're connected and can be in community.
0: So you say, you're interesting. You're saying, you know, if, the, if I believe I have a gift, then I also, I also have to believe everyone else has a gift. And yet we, I'm sure you have, and I have run into people that think this, this whole gift thing is, a, is usually a, it's, it, they'll, they'll say something like, it's just a bunch of pop psychology, you know, ooh-hoo. there's yeah. really nothing, there's really nothing to it. You know, it's just another little assessment I could get out of psychology today magazine. So if somebody is just really resistant to the, to the, this deeper idea of gifts, how would you, what would be important ways that you would frame that conversation with them? If you knew there was a lot of resistance.
1: Mm, yeah. I mean, I think big picture, you know, I feel like ultimately gifts being, you know, really about what makes us feel alive. Um, And I think, you know, whether or not somebody is on board with kind of the idea of gifts or not, I, I think most people, you know, if you set gifts to the side, you can get excited and on board about the idea of feeling really alive and fulfilled in your life um, and so, you know, I think I would, I think I would get curious for, like, just approach from, from a place of curiosity rather than, you know, trying to, to convince anybody that this is, you know, real or not or true or not, and just kind of ask why, like, why, why, you know, why do you think it's, you know, it's, uh, pop psychology or, or, you know, fluffy or not real, um, and I think, you know, based on whatever their answer to that question is, just kind of going from there, I think um, I really like, I mean, I really like just being in conversation with people, and I really like uh, digging underneath things. I think I'm always looking for, like, well, what's, you know, what's underneath the surface of whatever is happening, or whatever somebody is saying, Um, and so trying to do that in in a way that's, you know, just gentle and curious, and uh, doesn't, they don't feel like they're being attacked. Um, because I think likely underneath that rejection or resistance is some kind of wound, um, Mm -hmm. around, you know, either not feeling like it's possible for them to, you know, feel that kind of fulfillment and aliveness or not feeling that they, you know, deserve that or are worthy of that. Or, you know, there's likely some kind of, you know, tenderness underneath the resistance to, to, oh, this thing can't be true. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, or it's, it's, uh, I think it can be intimidating for some people, like, you know, your gift is a thing that only you can bring to the world. And if you don't bring it, nobody else is going to do it. So there is this like responsibility in that, um, that I wonder if that makes some people uncomfortable too. It's like, oh, if this is real, then I have to, I have to, then right. I, you know, I'm walking around knowing that I have something to contribute that no one else can contribute. And, and am I doing that or not? um but yeah yeah, I think maybe just even putting the the language or the kind of idea of gifts to the side for a moment and just asking questions about like what they want for their life and for the world and kind of you know I guess using my gift to like awaken that sense of higher purpose and find out what it is that they love most um and then drawing connections between you know those kind of human desires and and what gifts are and what they do.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people get hung up on the word gift. Mm. It's just got a lot of bad. I mean, I grew up thinking that if you were gifted, you were smarter than everybody else. I didn't have any idea right. that it was a a defining word for what you wanted to bring to the world more than anything else that, you know, that was lost on me till I was, you know, 50 years old. Yeah, that's so, true. I, I, thought of that. I, I do think there's a lot of, of fear. I was chuckling when you were talking, um, um maladoma so may said one time you know the the best thing the best thing that can happen to you is to discover your gift and the worst thing that can happen to you is to discover your gift Absolutely. Now, you, <laughs> now now you know what you got to do yeah right? and yeah. in village life everybody is watching
1: <laughs> right exactly exactly i know it's easier to hide these days but i i think i do notice in interviews with folks like the Two kind of primary reactions when people finally you know are reading their gift statement out loud is either like this sense of kind of like relief and excitement like oh yes this resonates so much or it's the sense of like can it be anything else <laughs> like could it do, like anything else <laughs> you know because it's like it does hit home for them in such a real way but it's it can be you know feel intimidating or overwhelming for some people i think and and it's connected to the wound as well and so that's always a tender thing and it's always funny to see like which camp people fall into
0: and gift people who study gifts you know they have this whole category of the wished for gift right any gift but the one i actually have just Just anything anything else
1: anything else
0: (laughs) yeah yeah wow so so you know speaking of that kind of obligation that comes with it with with your with your gift um so read uh say it to me again and then i want you to describe how you get in trouble with it Mm, in relationships um in your interior life just read it to so we can so we can hear it and then tell me how you get in trouble with it
1: (laughs) Uh, so my core gift is helping others to be grounded in their true selves and live in alignment with that in the world I give it by helping them to awaken a sense of higher purpose connect with what they love most and connect with others about our collective potential I think I think one way I get in trouble with this like in relationships or with other people is I don't know, maybe you would call it like some form of codependency or something, but I think like, I think I, I think part of what that gift means is that I can see, I mean, I don't know. I hope this doesn't sound conceited, but I think I can see people's true selves sometimes more clearly than they can. And I can Mm -hmm. see what, at least what I think would help that alignment, you know, with their true living in alignment with their true selves in the world happen. And so I think I can get, um, you know, like wanting to to kind of control that for people, um, because I see it so clearly. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, it's not up to me, <laughs> you know, what, what choices they make to, to get to that point of alignment or if they want to get to that point of alignment or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's that old therapist saying, the, <laughs> you know, the moment I think if this person would just do this one damn thing, their mm-hmm. life would be so much better. I know right. I'm in real trouble.
1: I definitely yeah. get into that. I'm like, Oh, if you just do this. Um, so I think that's one way I think, I think with myself, I mean, I, I feel like I'm fairly early in my journey of like, uh, what I'm calling recovery from perfectionism. And so I think I get into trouble with this with myself and just like, like no amount of alignment is ever enough, um, for me. Um, and I think. yeah, I don't know, just never, uh, never quite being satisfied with like the extent to which I'm connecting with my true self and living in, in alignment with it in the world. And I also think the piece about awakening a sense of higher purpose sometimes can get me into trouble with like everything has to have a sense of higher purpose and that can often make things that don't need to be like complicated or serious, feel complicated and serious.
0: Here comes Rachel again. Now we're all going to have to talk about our purpose. <laughs>
1: like, oh God. Yeah. And I think the way in which it, you know, sometimes dominates my thinking about my life is, uh, you know, probably unhealthy to a certain extent. Yeah.
0: So what ways have you, what ways have you learned when you said you're early in your journey and this perfectionism thing and, and really trying to be totally aligned with your purpose? What ways have you found to, to, be more accepting of the messiness in your life? Mm.
1: Um, I think, well, one thing that was actually really huge for me in terms of this journey with perfectionism is learning how, you know, learning that perfectionism is actually one of the kind of characteristics of white supremacy as a system of oppression. Um, and so I think then looking at the ways in which, you know, this behavior this practice actually like upholds, you know, really oppressive and, and unjust things, you know, both in the world and within myself um, was helpful at least in, in, you know, no longer feeling like, oh, well, it's fine if I'm a perfectionist, like, you know, really getting serious about like no, this is something that I really want to undo within myself.
0: Um, So so before you go any further, connect that, connect that idea for people who may not have made that link before between perfectionism and white supremacy. Clarify that a little bit. What's the link?
1: Yeah. So a great resource, if you want to learn more about this is on um, standing up for racial justice's website. Um, And there's a, article on there called The Characteristics of White Supremacy Culture, um, and it's just looking at, you know, white supremacy is kind of this big, you know, it's a big idea, a big phrase that is thrown around a lot now, and while it is fairly descriptive, it's like, well, what what is, what is that actually made up of? And one of the characteristics um, that, you know, at least these folks are looking at as upholding white supremacy is perfectionism, and so that being kind of like You know not um like nothing's ever kind of good enough um and uh you know mistakes being uh or failures being um you know very like a personal failure so i think it also you know taking as we move towards individualism and kind of away from this village community life um you know making a mistake kind of being confused with being a mistake (laughs) Um, or be, being wrong or bad in some way, and I think also just, you know, this idea that there is a, a perfect or right way to be as a human, you know, a perfect or right body to have, a perfect or right type of skin to have, type of hair to have, all of this stuff, um, and that anything that's not that um, mm-hmm. is, you know, defective yeah. or, or imperfect in some way.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, great. Thanks for helping us understand that more.
1: Yeah. So I think that's been really helpful for me on the journey with perfectionism is just seeing it in the, in the broader kind of context. Um, and then I think in terms of actual practices or like personal, you know, I think my, it really is like a spiritual question for me. And so I think my, my spiritual life and my spiritual practices have really been what have helped me the most to kind of take a deep breath and and release some of that attachment to perfectionism Mm
0: -hmm. how's your core gift attached to your spirituality
1: well i think well i mean i guess first of all it's like i guess i believe that gifts are are innately spiritual i believe that we all have souls and that our souls are kind of an eternal cosmic part of us and that our souls like chose to come to Earth in our bodies uh, for a purpose, and and so I see gifts as kind of you know being a way to to talk about that purpose. So I think you know for me innately I feel like my gift is the thing that my soul came here to do, and it chose you know my body, my personality to get this to get this done. Um, and so you know my job is is to align with that because it's it's actually a purpose that's coming from outside of me, not from, you know, my, my human self. Um, and then I think, you know, in my actual gift statement, this thing of awakening a sense of higher purpose, um, feels like a, you know, I don't know, I guess for me, spirituality feels very much about being interconnected with everything. And and so this awakening a sense of higher purpose, um, Mm -hmm. feels like kind of a Mm -hmm. spiritual thing. Um, as well as, I guess, you know, I mean, I think all of it, you know, being grounded in your true self and living in alignment with that in the world, I feel like is a is a spiritual endeavor. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with others about our collective potential. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I guess it all. feels We're, connected.
0: You're talking around the edges of another question that I had that I wanted you to talk about a little bit. So um Joyality, you, know, you and Joyality are all about a change making in the world. And so what's the connection for you between the importance of having gifts be a part of change making?
1: Mm. Yeah, this feels really exciting to me. And I think is something that, you know, learning this gifts work feels like it's really enriched my other work um, in so many ways. And I think you know, in a lot of the work that we do at Joyality, um, you know, we're doing nature-centered psychoeducation. So it's a all of our kind of curriculum is is grounded in this ecological context and this, you know, this context of helping us as humans understand ourselves as part of a greater ecology, uh, both of humans but also of of nature. Um, And I think you know, to me, gifts are are actually like a really beautiful example of our of our connection with nature and really how we are an expression of nature, because I look at nature and I see all of these beings like giving their gifts. Like I I feel like that's so much of what nature is, is just gift giving. Right. And this beautiful reciprocity of, you know, these these non-human beings just giving their gifts and not questioning their right to do so um i mean i guess i'm i'm positing to you know understand this is what the psychology of plants is a little bit i don't know what they're actually experiencing but i imagine <laughs> <laughs> maybe they do feel self-conscious about it i don't know but um you know i think for us as humans there's so often you know all of this psychology and emotional you know wounding around uh, you know are we good enough to give our gifts do we deserve to give our gifts all of this kind of stuff and you know I, I see nature just kind of giving its gifts without questioning its capability or intelligence in doing so um, and without necessarily expecting anything in return right like I, I know that's something you talk about a lot is like really the the essence of using your gift is, is just giving it without expecting that you're gonna get anything in return. Um, and in nature, I think we see this, what happens with that you know, kind of unconditional giving is this beautiful reciprocity where all parts get to be taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and, and that we see like there's enough room for all of us to thrive and give our gifts you know, in, in reciprocity and in community.
0: Um, I think that's an important distinction that if, if you give me a gift, I'm not obligated to give you a gift back, but right. if I live right. in a, if I live in a culture that supports gift giving, then I know that somebody else will give me a gift, mm-hmm. right? I won't Get it from you, but I'll get it from somebody else. And so in that way, then, then. Um, an ecological system composed of, you know, all the natural elements in the world can depend on each other for reciprocal gift giving. It's really a beautiful idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's not transactional, right. Which is like so much of our world and our lives has (laughs) has just become so transactional in, in capitalism. And, and I think, you know, the other piece about gifts and, and positive change making, um, is you know I think we're really at this time in human and planetary history where we really need everybody's gifts maybe more than we ever have you know we're we're in the midst of some really intense and massive and and frightening you know crises we've got an extreme climate crisis during a global pandemic we've got massive political and economic dysfunction immense social injustice and and violence and and all of those challenges are intersecting each other and so, you know, I think maybe it comes back to this piece of my gift about, you know, our collective potential that, you know, I really believe that we have the capacity to transform all of these crises. And I think we need people's gift, people to be giving their gifts in order for that to to really happen.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah, so I think that, you know, an understanding of your own gift to me, feels like it really supports your ability to, you know, contribute to the benefit of the collective. And I think, you know, as we started in the beginning, like, if I know I have a gift, then I know you have a gift and I know everybody has a gift and maybe it can also help us like value each other more.
0: Hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So we're coming to an, an end here, Rachel. Is there anything that you Um, that you want to talk about a little bit you haven't had a chance to say yet anything come up in the conversation or um, any sideways tidbits that are occurring to you you have you have an an active mind I know and an active heart
1: (laughs) yeah Um, I mean I think the kind of edge that I'm working with around you know, gifts and the intersection of gifts and, and my other work at Joyality is is really in this space of leadership, um, and I think just seeing how crucial it is for leaders to know their gifts um, and and you know to be interested in in what their gift is as well as to be interested in what the gifts are of the people that they're leading, um, and you know I think. I've, you know, we've also been in this time, I feel, of just seeing how much of a, a deficit of, like, true leadership we we have. Um, and so, you know, I'm working a lot with this idea of regenerative leadership right now in, in Joyality and then, um, you know, facilitating this program. Um, and I think, yeah, so I think just seeing the the really vital nature of gifts to you know effective positive leadership um, mm-hmm. and and I think you know also because gifts have this shadow side and we have the ability to to do harm with our gifts you know I wonder if that's a lot of what we're seeing in in leadership right now um, is is the harm that can be caused you know through through gifts and I think you know obviously it's so much easier to, to be in that shadow and be causing that harm if you don't know what, what the gift is, right? When you bring that consciousness to it, um, you know, you can't unknow that. Um, and so, you know, I think ideally as leaders, we're, we're helping and serving, um, but that requires a lot of discernment and self-awareness to ensure that we're actually serving and not just harming. And so I think, you know, gifts can be a really helpful piece of that in terms of leadership. So that's kind of the edge that yeah. I'm playing with right now. Yeah, I remember and when I say edge, I just mean like of my own understanding and.
0: Yeah. All right. It was a, it was a totally depressing and totally enlightening and energizing moment. I don't even know it's, you know, a decade or so ago when I realized that, you know, I'd I'd spent most of my life trying to give my core gift out of that shadow side mm-hmm. to be seen mm-hmm. or to be popular or so somebody would like me, yeah. or, you know, all yeah. the wrong reasons. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I
0: really started thinking about the shadow side and um, it, it's been the most useful part of knowing my mm-hmm. gift to me because that's really the healing and recovery part is bringing your gift out of the fullness of who you are as much of the time as you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're we're in this time of such a, an attention economy and, you know, with social media and every, you know, everybody's just, you know, scrambling to be noticed and to be seen. Um, and I don't, at least I haven't found that way of being seen to be particularly fulfilling on like a deep level, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think, that's, yeah, I think that's really, really true. And I think that also points to me to the role of community. Like, I think that's another thing that I'm really, you know, feel excited about with gifts is, you know, gifts in community. And that inherently like that is the context in which gifts, you know, come alive and, and really thrive. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I know you say, you know, a gift isn't a gift until it's given. And so innately in, the idea of gifts we have to be in relationship with others and I think um, it was really cool to to do all of those gift interviews with that group at the permaculture course because we were kind of in a short-term village building project you know we were all living together for two weeks on this farm and having you know cooking together and taking care of the compost toilets and the kind of things that that you do when you you know are living in community and then to have everybody be learning their gifts along the way and then at the end to be able to to hear all of these different gifts from this group of people and really see like oh like you know i think we have everything that we need here in the room to like do whatever it is that we want to do um and so i think you know yeah i just think that community Um, context of gifts is is so lacking in our over culture in our society and is really so critical to them really being able to flourish in in the way that they can
0: well you're you're certainly doing your part in helping to rebuild that you're an amazing person just amazing person
1: thanks bruce
0: grateful grateful for our friendship i really am
1: oh me too i mean how how lucky am i to get to have you as one of the you know I've known you my really my entire life and so Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah so you know people always hear about this work and they're like oh that's so cool like how did you get connected to this like it was really just I'm I'm lucky because I know Bruce
0: (laughs) yeah 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 and I'm lucky I've learned from so many different people so many different people including you Mm -hmm. so thanks thanks Rach we'll keep talking here okay thank you so much Okay, we'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To hear more podcasts, explore our gift library, or learn about our training opportunities, visit us at www.coregift.org.